Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Braitman. Today, we're taking a look at injectable PrEP as an option for HIV prevention. As you may recall from previous podcasts, we've reviewed HIV prevention using either Truvada or Descovy and how that relates to what we do as an AATC, namely focusing on the four pillars of the ETE plan, diagnose, treat, prevent, and respond. So a key piece is the prevention part of this plan. And with me today, as always, is John Farragon. So John, can we definitively say that we know that PrEP works? Well, first, first, good morning, Mariana. Thanks for being here. And thanks to everybody for listening today, right? And, and I think we can say that PrEP works. And we've talked about this before in, in one of our other uh, previous uh, podcasts. But studies like the IPREX study, um, there's another one called the Partners, Preps, Partners PrEP study, and also the Opposites Attract study. Um, and even more recently, there's a head-to-head study with uh, Descovy versus Truvada head-to-head in, in the Discover Show study have all shown that the, the clear benefits for, for the use of daily of a daily tablet to prevent HIV infection. So we know definitely that, that PrEP does work. And in fact, um, some of these studies uh, that, that we've even looked at have even supported the use of on-demand PrEP. So using that 2-1-1 dosing. And I won't spend a lot of time on that, but just knowing that there's, there's on-demand um, kind of event-driven PrEP that's also available that may not be in all the guidelines, but still um, some of the studies do, do support. So when you look closely at these studies, however, there's always a proportion of the patients who do get HIV infection. Um, and usually if you look at those, those patients, usually they have, they've shown that they usually have minimal or sometimes even zero um, level of HIV medication in their, in, their, in their bodies around the time that they acquire HIV infection. So, so the, the key point is that um, this really points to the potential that their adherence to the oral tablet every day may not be as good as we think it is. So they might not be taking their daily prep um, every day. So, so the question is, you know, what do we do about that? And, and I think we can obviously encourage people to be adherent, but now there's actually um, a new co- combination injection, which is a, a brand name called Cabanuva, which just recently uh, approved by the FDA. You know, this is a, involves a monthly injection of two different drugs. One is cabotegavir and the other one is ropivirine. And these injections are approved for treatment-naive patients um, after you take a short lead-in period of oral therapy, but they're also uh, approved for for switching or for replacing somebody's current regimen if if they're undetectable. So what's just interesting about that is that the cabanuva, the combination, the the cabo and the the cabotegavir and the ropivirine was was approved, but at the same time, cabotegavir has also been looked at for for PrEP. Now, I want to be careful when I'm talking about this. the cabotegavir alone is not FDA approved for, for the use for use in PrEP, but there's a couple studies, the HPT and OE3 and also the OE4 study has evaluated the role of cabotegavir alone, injectable, giving every, giving it every other month for, for prevention or for PrEP. And they've compared this, this to, to Truvada. So there is some data that's out there right now for, for injectable cabotegavir, though not FDA approved or approved in, by any regulatory agency at, at this time. Wait, so let me get this straight. They did use an injectable for HIV prevention? Yeah, they, they sure did. And, and actually, the best part about it is that it actually worked. Um, so, so here's how they did the studies. So here's, here's how the studies w- were done. So, so a, a PrEP regimen um, containing the investigational, this long-acting cabotegavir, which is an integrase inhibitor, was injected once every month 
uh, sorry, every eight weeks, um, and it was compared to, to daily Travada. So what's interesting about that is that what's approved right now for Cabanuva, the combination, is that it's given every every um, four weeks. But in this, in this study with the PrEP, they actually did it every eight weeks. So it was every other month, basically, giving people this injectable integrase inhibitor, cabotegravir. So the study was done among cisgender men who have sex with men and, and also transgender women who have sex with men. And this trial was, was sponsored by the, by the NIH, all right? So the results are very interesting in that while both medications were highly effective for HIV prevention, the final data analysis really indicated that the cabotegravir um, was shown to be superior, had a superior protective effect uh, compared to Truvada, all right? So now one thing that's important is that these results were based on interim data. So interim data, there's always kind of a grain of salt with that because it's not the full data analysis, but... If you look at the, the interim data, it was from 45, over 4,500 um, study participants. And overall, the rate of HIV acquisition in the study uh, in the study from the participants was very, very low. So if you look at the 52 patients actually acquired HIV, 13 were in the study group who received the cabotegravir-based PrEP, so again, the injectable every other month. And then the oral Juvada group, those patients, there were 39 people who got infected. So a total out of the 4,500 only 52 people got infected. So just that number alone tells you that PrEP works, whether using the cabotegravir or the Truvada, use something, right? PrEP will, PrEP will definitely work. But the point here is that because there were so many, um, so many more patients in the Truvada group that actually got HIV infection and went back and looked at the statistics and they actually showed that the HIV incidence rate was, was less, than, less than a half percent. It was actually 0.41% in the cabotegravir group and it was actually one2 percent in the Truvada group, all right? So when you look at that and you say, geez, is there a difference there? And, and there was a statistically significant difference. And the results translated into roughly a, a 65 or 66 percent lower incidence of HIV in the people who received the cabotegravir injectable versus those people who took the or oral pill. So really it does, it, it does actually work and, and, it, and it worked well, Mariana. So that's really the, the key point here. Yeah, this all sounds great, but you know, of course, when we talk about studies, the first thing that comes to mind, at least for me, is was it safe? Yeah, so safety is always something that that we always uh, take seriously when it comes to, especially with new medications and also new uh, new formulations like giving an IM injection. All of those things are things we have to think about. Uh, but both both arms of the study were were generally uh, safe and well tolerated. Uh, participants in the cabotegravir group were obviously more likely to experience fever and pain or tenderness at the injection site, because obviously because they're getting an injection, compared to those in the Truvada group who receive placebo injections. Um, those in the Truvada group are more likely to report, report nausea. So if you're someone who's sensitive to GI side effects, it, you, might, you might prefer an injection. Um, or if you're somebody who doesn't want to take a pill every day, you might prefer injections. Um, but most importantly, the participants in the, in the cabotegravir group um, who receive their injections as scheduled um, only, only 46 patients or just over 2% of patients, uh, discontinued their, 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 uh, cabotegravir injections because of side effects. So adherence to, to, to daily Truvada was also very high. So, so this is an important piece. So, uh, as I said before, the, the prep does work and 87% of, of the people who they looked at, uh, who provided drug samples had some detectable concentrations of, of either tenofovir, disoproxyl fumarate, or the emtricitabine. So one of the, so the components of of Truvada, there were drug levels in, in, in a large proportion of people who were who were taking taking the drug. So the point here is that you know I think you know we're worried about adherence. 
the worry about side effects, but I think there was nothing new that really that really uh, showed up. Cabotegravir, you would expect injection site reactions because it's given as an IM injection. And for Truvada, you would expect nausea. And that's actually actually what happened. So that's the key points. Got it. So why would folks want to use an injectable prep instead of taking a pill? Yeah, so this is hard. It's, sometimes it's hard to explain why people would want that or who would want that. I think everybody's different, right? So I think Daryl daily oral pills, um, you know, they work very well when taken as prescribed, but, you know, taking a pill can be challenging for people every single day. Um, the other thing you have to remember too, is that there are patients who take Truvada every day, but may not be sexually active uh, on a consistent basis. So I think what happens is when you have relapses in adherence, because somebody might not be sexually active, this is where an injectable might actually make more sense, right? So a long injecting, um, long acting injectable form of PrEP um, obviously would be, would offer a less frequent, uh, kind of maybe, maybe even more, a more discreet option um, that may be desirable for, for, for some people who are, who are having, um, uh, who are having sex with men or again, for, for transgender uh, women and also for, for cisgender women also, we will talk about that in a few minutes, but you know, clearly this, this is, this may be make a big, might make a big difference for some patients who um, have a, have a hard time taking a pill every single day as prescribed. Yeah, you mentioned that HPTN083 included cisgender men who have sex with men and transgender women who have sex with men. Does injectable prep also work for cisgender women? Yeah, so this is actually a great question and it's an important one too. So so there was a I, I want to call it a sister study, but it's probably probably a better option is probably to call it a companion study, right? Was the HPTN084 study which looked at cisgender women. So there was 32, over 3,200 women um, who were aged 18 to 45 years old, again, who are at risk for acquiring HIV infection, 20 sites across seven countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. And, and in this study, they, they looked at women, there, there were two arms to the study. So the first arm uh, received cabotegravir long acting, again, that injectable uh, integrase inhibitor, given IM every eight weeks, and then they got a daily oral Truvada placebo. So they got a placebo. So that's important too, because this is placebo controlled. And then the second arm received daily uh, oral Truvada active drug. And then they got an IM injection of cabotegravir that was actually a placebo every eight weeks. So essentially what you're testing here is just saying cabotegravir long acting every eight weeks versus Truvada. Does it work for cisgender, cisgender women? And that's really the design of this study. And what were the results of this study? Yeah, so important, right? So, so very similar to what we saw in the um, uh, in the HP ten zero eight three, there were thirty eight women in the a trial acquired HIV in the trial. Four actually were randomized to the long acting cabotegravir. Thirty four randomized to oral um, oral oral Truvada TDF. All right, so really a big you know kind of a big difference in the, in the absolute number of people. So. Again, just like they did in the, in the 083 study, in the 084 study, they also looked at the overall incidence rate, and they found that the incidence rate for HIV in the Capitegravir group was, was 0.2%, and it was just under 1.8% in the people who received Truvada. So again, I, I, want, I don't want to minimize the Truvada arm, because both methods really were highly effective at preventing HIV infection. But the long-acting acting Capitegravir in this study was 89% more effective than taking the oral Truvada. So, so these results in women, like the results in the OA3 study for men, show us clearly that cabotegravir, the long acting, is significantly more effective in preventing HIV acquisition than oral oral prep in, in, in women. So I think that's really the, 
the, the, the, key, the key takeaway of, of this 084 study? Yeah, this, I mean, it sounds really great. Um, but of course, my skeptical brain wants to know if there were any implications of this HPTN 084 study. Yeah, and I think it's always good to have skepticism with studies, especially when they haven't been fully reviewed. And, and when we're talking about data that's that's what I call off-label, right? Not, not in any of the FDA labeling yet. It's important for us to be skeptical and really ask the questions, what is it, what does it really mean? And how do we apply it to patients, right? So while women in the countries where the trial was conducted uh, continue to experience high HIV incidence. So, so in Sub-Saharan Africa, um, you know, this is this is a big problem and more effective and more acceptable HIV prevention choices for women are, are needed. Um, very much like even even condom use um, and, and other other prevention methods, which may not be easily negotiated for all women across all countries and all places. Oral prep, while it works for prevention, women may find it difficult to actually take a daily tablet. Again, this can result in inconsistent use of oral oral prep. And if that happens, certainly that puts them at, at risk for H HIV. Um, the use of these long-acting injectable uh, products, for example, cabotegravir IM, could potentially improve prevention and also increase prevention choices uh, and acceptability uh, among women. Um, and again, this is looking in Sub-Saharan Africa, but I think this would be worldwide. This could be a potentially op potential um, uh, important option for people to have for, for, for PrEP. Yeah, I mean, despite my skepticism, it, you know, based on everything you said, I feel like we want to get this in the hands of as many people as possible. Um, is this injectable available yet? And also, what are the potential issues or side effects with this particular medication? Yeah, so again, great questions and comments. And again, I kind of alluded to this, but make sure we're very clear on this. Um, uh, the, the injectable cabotegravir alone is not available for PrEP and it's not approved and it's not approved as a separate injection. The, the cabotegravir rupivirine, the, the combination called Cabinuva for HIV treatment is, was approved in January of, of 2021, but the cabotegravir alone is not, is not actually approved. So we're, we're kind of in a waiting period for this, but I'm sure we'll probably see this as a future option for PrEP. And assuming the regulators approve this and they move forward, um, there may be additional data that's needed from the FDA and from, from, other, uh, from other regulatory agencies. But my gut is that we would probably see this in, 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 the, in the near future, um, maybe in the next year, maybe it may be further on. But again, I think we will potentially see cabotegavir um, as, as, uh, as, as an injectable option for PrEP. So some of the things that we haven't talked about, I think that are really important, like what are some of the unanswered issues? Like what about cabotegavir for adolescents, right? They don't have adolescent data. Um, what about safety during pregnancy and breastfeeding? So obviously PrEP during pregnancy is, is, important, is important as well. And those are some safety things we'd have to know. And I think really, how do we implement this in, in real world settings? It's one thing to be you know, in a clinic in downtown Manhattan or in Albany where we are, um, but you know, in, in reality, you know, how, is, how would this be rolled out in Sub-Saharan Africa? Um, and how would the, um, uh, the, the cold storage for, for some of the... Um, for, for some for some of the injectables, et cetera, how would all that work out? I think those are some unanswered questions that we really have to have to answer. But again, the bottom line is that we know that the at least based on what we know so far in a large numbers of patients, it, it seems to be that the that the long acting cabotegravir is more is more effective than than Chubata for prep. Another thing that comes to mind with everything that you've been talking about is what about missed doses? What happens if folks skip a shot here and there? <laughs> Yeah, so this is, I think, one of the more important pieces, and it's probably one of the more difficult things to answer. Even with the combination product product that's out and that's available, I think it is one of the ongoing questions. 
we, we call this the, the pharmacokinetic tail. So pharmacokinetic, big word, but really all it means is drug levels, right? So what's the drug level tail look like after the, um, that's in the body after the drug has been missed? So if you miss an injection, what happens to the drug levels over time? And, and again, um, what that will mean, and will this be significant, I think, for, for drug resistance, if somebody does get HIV infection is, is, uh, is unknown. So it's something to be clear on this, right? So these are patients who are not HIV infected using cabotegravir injectable for PrEP potentially, right? And then what if they miss a dose? Do they have drug levels of cabotegravir that are kind of still hanging out at, let's say, 10, 12, 14, 16 weeks out where they haven't got an extra dose? And then if they get HIV infection then, and then you put them on an integrase inhibitor, a similar drug to cabotegravir, Will you see resistance or not? I think that's really that's really what the question is. And I don't think we won't we won't probably know that. It's really a hard question to answer. But remember that the injectable cabotegravir is a long half-life, which is why it provides this long-acting eight-week of protection. And then this, this long PK tail, you know, again, it does mean that there potentially is a protectable drug that remains in the body for months after, after an injection. And then these small amounts of drug may not be enough to protect against HIV. And more importantly, you know, develop resistance. You know, again, I think this is a, these are important points. Um, it has been reported though previously in, in, in an older study that the median time to getting undetectable cabotegravir levels is about 66 weeks versus 43 weeks in men. So it really means it's like pretty much almost like a year for both men and women for that drug to kind of be completely gone. So what, is, what it means for drug resistance, we really don't know. And I think for people who stop um, cabotegravir long acting is really unclear. I think there's going to be more to come in the future on that. But the bottom line for people using Truvada or Descovy for PrEP, we may have an injectable uh, to use in the future. No pills, just once every other uh, month uh, injection. It's for men and women. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to see where it goes. The one thing I will bring up too, and many of you are aware of this, if you're doing HIV um, prevention work, you'll know that the SCOBY is not approved for women where Truvada is. So that's the kind of a little bit of a um, a little bit of a thing to think about with the SCOBY and Truvada when you're looking at populations for women uh, who require PrEP, they have to use Truvada. The SCOBY is not, uh, not indicated by the FDA labeling for, for PrEP. Honestly, John, uh, you know, injectable PrEP sounds like a really great option for folks. Um, thank you so much for walking us through everything that we could possibly need to know, you know, as much as we know at the moment. Um, we really hope that you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything that we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at N-E-C-A-A-E-T-C.org. Stay safe and we'll see you next Thursday for our regularly scheduled episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.